Well, I hope you're excited to be at church today as we land the plane on our ghosted relational series. And, you know, with Halloween being tomorrow, it made me think about how sometimes when it comes to relationships, let's be real, sometimes they can be a little scary. Sometimes they can kind of catch us off guard, if you will. Like, you know, if you're just watching the screen like this and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's on the screen? What's on the screen? And sometimes it just kind of can come out of nowhere. Sorry, I know that was kind of cheesy. Maybe I scared some of you, but you know, it's just, that's just who I am. Anyways, we we don't want that. We don't want that type of coming out of nowhere, scary type relationships. We want relationships to look and feel a little more like this, right? A little more like Casper, the friendly ghost that you can count on. That's always going to be there. That's always going to be on your side. Those are the types of relationships that we want, but let's be real. Finding those types of relationships are hard to come by, especially in the technological world that we live in today and everyone's behind their screens. It's harder to have that human interaction to find those great relationships that last a lifetime. And then look out if you get like the wrong type of friends. It reminds me of the Proverbs in 1320 when it says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer Harm And isn't that the truth? And some of us, as we know, we've experienced those types of bad friendships. And so the importance of having those great, strong relationships is worth fighting for. I mean, because, come on, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want a good, great relationship? Because when you find those great relationships, the joy and the peace that it brings and how it takes the grind out of life, I mean, come on, give me some more of that. And so today what we're going to do, we're going to split up this talk into two different halves. And the first half, we're going to be asking this question. We're going to be asking, what type of friend should I be looking for? And we're going to look at three different characteristics, three different types of attributes of a type of friend that we should be looking for. But not only are we going to ask that question, we're going to also ask the same question kind of reverse as, am I becoming the friend people are looking for? Am I becoming, am I producing those types of attributes to people around me? Am I that type of friend? And then in the second half, what we're going to do is we're going to ask ourselves the questions of, what do you do when a friend ghosts you? Like when someone literally drops you and they literally vanish from you. And you know that feeling when you make that third or fourth or fifth voicemail attempt and there's still no response. Or you're texting over and over and over again and all you see is the right side. And then sometimes you see this which I didn't know, side note, this is, you know, some people refer to this as a ghost, that when you see those three dots, you know that they saw your text and those three dots popped up and yet still nada, nothing. And the feelings that that just can bring inside of you, the angst and the anxiety and the anger and the self-esteem issues and all the stuff that just can make you swirl in your mind, just the tension of being ghosted. And so today, to help us investigate these three questions, uh, we're going to be looking at a story that we find in the book of Psalms, chapter 55, from a man by the name of Ahithophel. Say that with me, Ahithophel, who fell, pun intended, off a cliff when it came to being a good friend. And we're going to see how he ghosted his friend named David. And our hope is that as we look at this ghosting experience, it'll help us make better decisions when it comes to our friends, and it will help us prevent maybe being ghosted in some of our relationships and help us be the friends that we need to be. But before we dive in, I just want to pray for you and pray for me. And so, Father, I just ask in the name of your Son that you would help us to uh, grab on to what we need to grab on to today. 
control my mind and my speech as I communicate. And I pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, if you have a copy of the scriptures, please open it up to the book of Psalms. You just kind of open up in the middle of your Bible and you'll probably find Psalms right there. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 55 where we see this severed, broken, ghosted friendship scenario. Now, most likely, uh, this psalm is referring to the time when King David's third son, Absalom, completely started to revolt and go against his father, King David. And I'm not going to get into all the history here, but a little reason for that is because Absalom was a little frustrated with his father because of how he handled his sister Tamar, uh, who was raped. And so Absalom didn't like how his sister was dealt by her father and the whole situation that went down. And so he started to revolt and try to get people in Jerusalem to go against his father. And so scholars go back and forth on this, but some are in agreement, many are in agreement that this was written right when the revolt was getting started. And so this would mean that literally David was still in Jerusalem while people were turning on him, and not just any type of people, but even his closest companion, who we would see in the book of Samuel, would be the man Ahithophel. And so this is where the story picks up. We're going to kick off in verse 11. It says this. This is King David talking. He says, everything is falling apart. Everything's falling apart. Threats and cheating are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. But then he says this, and he kind of switches his language to talking specifically to Ahithophel. He says, instead, it is you. You were my equal, my companion, and my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. We, we worshiped together. We fellowshiped together. He's basically saying here, he's like, look, at, I can deal with threats. I can deal with the chaos. I can deal with enemies. But when it's my own stinking friend, my close companion, my closest companion, I mean, everything's falling apart. And maybe that's what you can relate with today. Because you feel like everything's falling apart because of a ghosted, broken, severed relationship. But isn't it interesting? No matter all the other chaos or financial or other issues you might be having, when you have a broken relationship, isn't it crazy how it can just kind of take everything and take the forefront of your mind? And maybe that's how you feel today. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, where it says, There are friends who destroy each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother, sticks closer than a brother, showing us the importance when it comes to looking for good friends. We need to find friends that are reliable. Reliable. Do you have friends that are reliable, that you can depend on? Put it up. Reliable, that you can depend on, who will show you, who will practice and model selflessness, that will make you the priority over their own. That will literally model Philippians 2, 4, where, where it says that, that, that we put others' interests above our own interests. Who are the reliable people, the charitable, selfless people in your life? I can think of so many different people in my life, but I think specifically of my father-in-law, Steve. I mean, always reliable, always dependable. I mean, just this past week, um, a couple miles down the road, uh, Jen hit a construction sign which is a whole other sermon for another time, okay? Um, so there we are two miles from the road, and then I get there to help her. And, you know, I, you know, we have the minivan. And if you didn't know, like, minivans, you know, they don't 
for some reason have spare tires anymore, they give you a can of Fix-A-Flat. When the tire's blown up, what the heck is Fix-A-Flat going to do? That's a whole other sermon for another time. And so there I am, two miles away from the house, driving two miles an hour all the way back like this, all my neighbors waving at my neighbors. It was great. It was fun. So then, you know, uh, we, we just, the schedule's crazy, the Ubering the kids everywhere. I have two really sad funerals I got to do. And then I couldn't find the, the, the actual lug nut, you know, to take it off. And so there he is, Steve, to the rescue, dependable, reliable, shows up, freezing cold, drops everything to come and help me, and then takes the tire early in the morning to discount tire. And then by 8.15 a.m., the, the car is ready to go and rocking. Always reliable, always dependable, putting our priorities and our interests above himself. Do you have reliable friends? Do you you have those dependable friends that if you do, lean into them. Don't neglect them. But then it also asks the question, when people are asking that question, do I have a reliable friend? Does your name ever come up? Are you a reliable, charitable, selfless friend? Are, Are you a friend that makes your friends a priority more than yourself. What does it look like for you and for me to be more reliable friends for other people? Find those reliable friends and be a reliable friend. It continues. We'll go to verse 15 where it says this, let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. It continues. He ransoms me, and he keeps me safe from the battle waged against me. Though many still oppose me, God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. Now, he doesn't come right out and just say this, but in the midst of David's broken heart and the abandonment and the ghosting that he's feeling from his friend Ahithophel, he's basically saying, like, listen, if, if, if he's not going to care, if, if he's not going to show up, if he's not going to listen to me, I know who will. I know who I can count on. I know who I can call on. I know who will ransom me. I know who will keep me safe. I know who will listen to me. And he says it twice, I know who will hear me. Which brings up the idea that not only are we supposed to strive to have friends that are reliable, but we're supposed to strive to have friends that are thoughtful, that, are, that, are, that, 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 that care, that, that, that think about the details, that are good listeners, that, that take time to slow down and really hear what's going on in your mind and in your heart to say, hey, how are you doing? Busy. Well, what's beyond busy? How are you doing? I'm good. Well, what's beyond the good? Ask a friend that slows down enough to ask you the tough questions. Do you have those types of friends in your life? Do you have that type of friend in your life? And then here's the other question as we turn it around on us. When that question's asked, does anyone ever bring your name up? Are you a friend that is a good listener? Or are you always talking too much? And you know who you might be. What does it mean for you to be a better listener, to pay attention to the details, to be a thoughtful friend to others? It continues. It says, as for my companion, he portrayed his friends and he broke 
his promises. He broke the covenant. The friend Ahithophel broke his promise and his covenant relationship with David. He wasn't the friend through thick and thin. He wasn't the friend through all the ups and the downs. The commitment, I guess, wasn't deep. It must have been a little shallow. Reminding us that we not only need to have friends that are reliable and thoughtful, but we need to strive to have friends that are loyal friends. Which, by the way, takes time. Fine like wine. Like literally, relationships like this are relationships that mature over time. That they'll defend you. They'll have your back. They'll go to battle for you. I mean, you got to think about this. I mean, David, this was his closest bro. One of his closest counselors and confidants at this time. And yet here, Ahithophel takes and sides with his son. I mean, think about how distraught this was making David feel. Like, I guess, I guess our love for one another wasn't as deep as I thought. Which reminds me of when Jesus said in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay one's life for one's friend. And David wasn't alive to hear those words come out of Jesus' mouth. But if he would have heard them, I guess he would have said, I guess that's not us, Ahithophel. There was no loyalty. A loyal friend is no matter what you've gone through, no matter how many times you've even dropped the ball, that they're constant and they're still there for you. These are the types of friends that love you for who you are, not for what you do. These are not Facebook friends. These are lifelong, faithful to the end type of friends. Who are your loyal friends? You have them? Make a mental note of them. Lean into those friends. Don't neglect those types of friendships. You know, for those of you that are married in the room, hopefully you would say that your spouse is one of those loyal friends. And man, that's awesome. I would consider Jen a loyal to the end, faithful friend. But it's also important For all the guys out there listening, you also need to have some bros, some loyal bro friends. And for all you ladies listening, it's so important to have those loyal lady friends. Who are those in your life? I can think of many different friends in my life that I could say that are loyal friends, but one of the friends, the bros that comes up into my mind would be uh, Maya Williams, our Lion Location Pastor. We've been friends for over a decade, and you know, he, uh, <laughs> we've been through ups and downs in our own personal lives and in our own relationship together, and yet through it all, we've stayed loyal to one another. And I'll never forget, you know, when my wife and I, Jen, moved from Columbus, Ohio, back to home to Detroit, uh, we were just kind of feeling deflated and wondering what's next. Maya, for almost a, probably a year and a half, would literally drive three and a half hours on the weekends to just come hang out just to like be there. And sometimes it'd be twice a month. And then when the church got started, he was coming again still. And I remember telling him, I was like, Maya, like, I, I gotta be honest with you. Like, you know, you either come by yourself or you get the kids in the minivan and the whole family comes like, if I was, if the roles were reversed, I don't know if I would do that for you, man. I mean, I would literally, I've told him this and I, I still probably, I, I still think this. He, Maya is more of a loyal friend to me than I am to him. And, uh, and, and, and I'm thankful for that. I truly am. And it, it challenges me to how I need to be more of a loyal friend back to him. And so do you have those loyal friends? And then does anyone ever say your name when they ask, who's my loyal friend? Does your name ever come up 
What does it look like for you to be more of a loyal friend? Where might you need to to, um, stir up and pick up the pace when it comes to your loyalty towards others? May we be people that pursue friends that are reliable, that are thoughtful, and that are loyal. And may we strive to become friends that are reliable and thoughtful and loyal. But what do we do when those reliable friends, those thoughtful, good listening friends, those loyal friends, all of a sudden out of nowhere, drop us? They ghost us, they vanish. What do we do? How do we respond? Let's keep going in verse 21 where it says this. He's talking about Ahithophel. His words are smooth as butter, but his heart is at war. His words are as soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. And we got to assume that David did what he could do to try to reason with Ahithophel and ask the questions, why, why, why are you doing this? But even in the smoothness of his words, and sometimes people can be that guy, they'll, they'll smooth their words to manipulate, to make you think that you're the problem. In the midst of it, they're never gonna change. And so what does this remind us? It reminds us in the words that Paul says in Hebrews 12, 14. When people ghost us, it's this idea of we make every effort to live in peace without everyone, with everyone, and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so Paul is reminding us, especially when it comes to ghosting relationships, that what do we do? We make every effort for peace. We do all that we can do. We take ownership. We let them know where we've dropped the ball. We seek forgiveness. Even if we don't really even think that we need to, we just do it anyways. We make sure that we take ownership in every area and we make sure that we let them know. And if they don't respond and if they don't come back, be at peace. Make every effort for peace. And then release. I know it rhymes. Make every effort for peace and then release. Let it go. Just let it go. Drop it. And here's the thing. Then you got to forgive and then you got to move on. And remember, I like to always say there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. But we as humans, we like to blend the two. We forgive. You have the power to do that. But you don't have the power for reconciliation. It takes two for that. And sometimes you might never see reconciliation, maybe only on the other side of heaven. And so, Make every effort for peace. Do what you can do. And then after you make every effort for peace, you know what you need to be? Be at peace. Be at peace. Stop blaming yourself. Or here's another way that I like to put it like this. Don't let getting ghosted keep you feeling toasted. You're welcome for that. I just I thought that was pretty, you know, sorry. But, you know, but you get the point. Don't let getting ghosted keep you feeling toasted. Stop blaming yourself. If you did all that you can do, you got to move on. Stop. Well, I could have done that, or I could have done this, or maybe I didn't do that. And then you make up all these false scenarios and all these imaginary fairy tales of things that most likely didn't even happen. You have to remember this. This is so, so true. Ghosters, those that ghost people, oftentimes they're straight up cowards. And for those of you that are listening, hey, just... Don't be too sensitive, but hear me out. If you're ghosting someone intentionally right now, you're a coward. You're a coward. You don't have the courage and the strength to step up 
and care enough and have the character enough to deal with it and fight for unity to make every effort for peace. Even if there's no reconciliation, have the, the decency and the audacity to actually care enough and the boldness enough to make peace. And so, listen, if you're getting ghosted, be at peace. If you've done all that you can do, be at peace. It's on them now. It's not on you. Then, so it says, we gotta make every effort for peace. We gotta be at peace. And then here's the best one. Go to the source of peace. It's the best part. Listen to what David says in verse 22. He says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Notice how he says, cast your burdens on the Lord. On the Lord first. He doesn't say, cast your cares on people first. Oftentimes when we have relational hurt, we'll run to people talking about our people issues. This is a great reminder for us before we run to people to talk about our people issues, we need to run to God to talk about our people issues because he's the one that's gonna give us peace first that the people that we're talking to are not gonna be able to give us. Go to him first. And when you go to him first, it also saves you from falling into the trap of gossiping and slandering other people. Because remember what the scripture says in Titus right here. It says this, speak evil of no one. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you fill in the blank of someone that you think is pretty evil. But I'm pretty sure that no one in the Greek language means no one. Speak evil of no one. Don't allow the people that are ghosting you to allow you, don't allow them to keep winning, to keep you sinning in the art and the sin of gossip. So it says, cast your burdens on the Lord. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Well, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? It reminds me of the great passage that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. He says, just, just, just drink this in. Drink this in. This is one of the best portions of scripture from Jesus. What does he say? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor with emotional and relational tension. And I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. When we come to Jesus with our hurt, especially our relational hurt, what does it do? It allows us to connect to him more than our hurt. It allows us to connect to him more than our hurt. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What the heck is he talking about? Jesus was a master in taking analogies and symbols and metaphors to help drive home a point. And so when his crowd was listening to him, when he says, my yoke is easy, he's referring to the ox of a yoke. We'll put it up like that if you're all by yourself and you're carrying the load and, and you got the plow behind you and it's the, the dirt and the clay, it's heavy and it's hot and it's just tough and it's rough. He says, no, 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 take my yoke upon you, which the yoke connects to the other oxen. Don't connect to the things of the world. Connect to me. And when you connect to me, I will make your burden light. You will learn from me and I will help you 
handle the burden. He doesn't take you out of the burden. Jesus promised that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. You will still have some of the burden, but I will come alongside of you. So he says, cast your cares, cast your hurt, cast your pain upon me. Stop trying to carry more than you're capable of. He's saying, attach your life to me, to your one forever true friend who will never let you down. He is the source of where you will find true peace and all of your relational tensions. How amazing is it to think that our creator offers us, you and me, a relationship where we can connect to him and take on his yoke, that he doesn't force on us, that we have to receive as his free gift. And then he calls us friend. I mean, going back to the passage that I said earlier, I want to, I want, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And then he says this, Jesus says this, you are my friends. God in the flesh, imagine being in that crowd. God in the flesh looks out and says, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. Listen, everyone on this planet, every human being, every animal, every breathing creature will let you down. They're going to let you down. They're always going to drop the ball. Your kid's gonna drop the ball, they're gonna let you down. Your parents are gonna drop your ball. Your grandparents, your spouse is gonna drop the ball. Your friends are gonna drop the ball. Everyone is going to fall short. They're not gonna always be reliable. They're not gonna always be thoughtful. They're not gonna always be loyal. But this friend, the friend that we can have in Jesus will always be reliable, will always be thoughtful, will always be loyal, will always be selfless, so much so, and he proved it by laying his life down for you and for me on the cross when he died for us. And maybe some of you are saying, well, why did he die for us? I didn't ask him to. You didn't ask him to, but you needed him to. I needed him to. Because every single one of us in this room, because we have the tendency to drop the ball and you know, not be the friend that we need to be to other people. You know what that's called? That's called sin. We all haven't been the perfect friends, have we? Well, because of that sin, that one sin of not being a perfect friend to other people has separated us from the one true God. And so God decided, I'm gonna make a way so that there is no more separation. So that's why he sent Jesus, God in the flesh, modeling what perfection, what a perfect friend should be. And then he was willing and he sacrificed his life and he did it to pay a penalty for our sin. And not only did he die on a cross, but he not only paid and as a ransom, but then he conquered the grave, proving that he truly was God and rose from the dead, proving that he truly is God and that he truly is a friend to you and me that will never let us down. When all hope was lost, everyone was like, there's no way. Okay, he said, we all thought he was God and then I guess not. And then three days later, he proved to everyone, no, 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 I am. 
I'm your king. I'm your God. And I'm your constant friend. And then he says, come to me. Attach yourself to me. My yoke is easy. Aren't you tired of carrying the burdens of all of your stuff on your own? Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Stop attaching yourself to people and to the things of the world and attach yourself to Jesus and he will give you rest, not only here on this earth, but he will give you rest for eternity. And if you've never attached yourself to Jesus, if you've never been able to receive him so that he can call you friend, then let this be the day. So wherever you're listening, just in the quietness of your heart, just say, Father, I'm attaching myself to you. Just say that, I attach myself to you. The burdens of my past and of my shame and all the stuff that I've got going on is so heavy. And so today I attach myself to you. I need you. I don't understand it all, but today I declare that I need you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. Just say that. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again from the dead for me, proving that you're God and that you're my friend. And so right now in this moment, I declare and I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. As we continue to pray, my friends, if you truly meant that, the scripture is so clear that you will not perish. You will not be ghosted from God for eternity. But you'll have everlasting life and your life of true peace and true joy can truly begin right now. Father, thank you so much for the gift of being known as your friend. It's just unbelievable that the creator of the universe would call me friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name, amen. Well, listen, if you made a decision to make Jesus your friend, to attach your life to him, then please don't walk alone. I just beg you, tell someone, let someone know, or you can let us know by texting the number on the screen because we wanna celebrate with you and we want to answer any questions that you might have. And remember, don't walk alone because moving together is better.